Yep, after being married almost eight years, I learned I can't say yes without asking the wife. So uh, she's really in charge of all things. And so, uh, hey, if you have your Bibles, would you open up to Haggai chapter 1? Haggai. I wanted to give you just a second to find it. It's at the end of the Old Testament, Zephaniah, Zechariah, and Malachi. So we're going to be in Haggai 1. Uh, I'll just say this as you're turning there. Um, it is such an honor to be here. I know um, Jonathan, as the pastor of this church, has the uh, responsibility to shepherd the, the people that are a part of this church and uh, to guard who stands and proclaims God's word. And he doesn't give this to just everybody. And so I, I find an incredible honor that Jonathan would ask me. And so thank you, Jonathan. And uh, I, I love... I love this church. I love New Hope. And I've never been here. Uh, I was, came to New York when I was 13 years old. That's my only other time in New York. Uh, but I love this church for a couple reasons. Number one is uh, you sent us Liz Joa. And so we are incredibly grateful. We love Liz. Uh, we're, you know, she's staying with us forever. So sorry about that. You guys lost her, but I appreciate it. And uh, so we love Liz. And so we have a piece of you with us serving on our team there in uh, in Memphis. And then I, lo I love you because I love your pastor, and uh, you love your pastor well. Uh, we talk often in texts and, and phone calls, and there's not a not a uh, instance that goes by where he doesn't talk about you guys and how much he loves you and how much you've been good to him and so his family. And so I'm deeply grateful for you, love you, and have been praying for you guys uh, since he came last uh, January, I guess. We've been uh, been a year and a half. So um, all that being said, let's get into God's Word. That's why we're here. And this is, uh, the God's Word is what changes lives. And so we, we want to we get in here to Haggai chapter 1. We're going to talk about this theme uh, of having a kingdom priority. Having a kingdom priority. And so uh, that'll make sense as we, as we get there. Uh, before I jump in to read Haggai chapter 1, I wanted to get some, uh, give us some context, some background, uh, instead of just jumping right in and you not understanding uh, when this was written, why this was written. So let me give you just a, a little bit of background uh, about the times in which the, the, uh, the book of Haggai was written. So in 586 B.C., um, I was a history major in college, and so I love history. This may bore you for like 30 seconds, but just hang tight for a second because it, it, it's important to the story. In 586 B.C., the, uh, the Israel was conquered by the Babylonians. So the, the Babylonians were one of the enemies of God's people. They came in, conquered uh, Israel, and they destroyed everything in Israel. They, the temple that the Jews would worship in, that's where God's presence would dwell, uh, in, in the Old Testament and uh, was destroyed. That was a temple that Solomon built. They destroyed it. They, they took it down to nothing. And they did not allow the Jews, God's people, to remain in Israel. They, they put them in captivity. They put them in slavery. They, they shipped them away. And uh, for 50 years, the Israelites lived in captivity until the Persians... Another enemies of God came and conquered the Babylonians. And so the Persians, though, were way more liberal. They didn't care who you worshipped or what you did. So they just said, everybody's free to do what they, what they please. 
And uh, so the Israelites, many of them, in fact, 50,000 of them, made the journey back home, back to Israel. Uh, some of the Jews remained in uh, Persian territory uh, because they had been born there. They'd been 50 years, so that was their life, and so they didn't want to leave. Uh, those are talked about, those Jews who stayed in, in, in Persia are referenced in the book of Esther. You can read about those. Uh, but the, the Jews that came back to Israel, God gave them a, uh, a, uh, a purpose. God gave them a job to do. He says, when you get back home to Jerusalem, I'm, I need you to build the temple. I need you to rebuild the temple that was destroyed. And it says, you can read about it in Ezra, in the book of Ezra, that the, the, the Israelites began to build the temple. They got the foundation built, and then difficulty came. There was some persecution. Some people didn't like that, so they began to say, what in the world? Why, why is this happening? God, you told us to build the temple, but now times are difficult. And let me just say that, that uh, God didn't say that following him, doing what he said, would be easy. In fact, he said that in this life you will face trials and tribulations of many kinds. But then Jesus also said, take heart, I've overcome the world. I I'm with you, I've already won. And so what God has called us to is, is not easy. Following God, following God's will for our life, having this kingdom mindset, when, it, when it's not about us, it's about God, is not easy, but it is worth it. Because Jesus is worth giving everything to. Jesus is worth giving your life to. Jesus is worth following today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day because Jesus loves us. He, he gave his life for us so that we could have life. And so that's kind of the background of the story. That's where we find ourselves in, in Haggai. So after, uh, after they released from captivity, they began to build, then they stopped. And so for 15 years, nothing's done. The, the temple that God asked them to build is not built. And so they just, for 15 years, they do nothing. They just live life. And then God sends the prophet Haggai to give them a word. God, after 15 years, God sends Haggai to speak to the people on behalf of God. And so let's read just the first few verses in Haggai chapter, chapter 1. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is it. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet again, Verse 4, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house, my house, God says, lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm, and he who earns wages, does so to put them into a bag with holes. I want to I pray right here, and then we'll dive into this text. Father, would you speak to us this evening? God, I, 
your word is living and active. God, it says that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the very soul of, uh, of our being. And so, God, would you speak to us tonight? Would you convict hearts tonight? Would you allow us to live life the way that you created us to live life, that is, with a kingdom priority and not a selfish priority? And so, God, would you bless our time together? Thank you for Jesus. And it's his name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about this idea of a kingdom priority. Um, so the Old Testament, uh, we're, we're living in the New Testament. We're living in the New Covenant, right? Uh, but but I'm, I'm referencing a story from the Old Testament. And so let me help this make sense just a little bit. In the, in the Old Testament, when we're talking about the temple or the, the, the house of God, that is where God's presence would dwell. So if someone wanted to encounter God or meet with God, they went into the temple, and there was a priest, and they had to sacrifice um, an animal in order to uh, have their sins forgiven, and they had to experience God. They had to go into the temple and the priest. That's where the presence of God dwelt. Now, in the New Covenant, we, we know that, that that's all been shattered. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. And so no longer do we have to enter into a temple. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He's God's only son. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's Jesus who came to this earth, who lived a perfect life, died on the cross, the perfect sacrifice, which pleased God. He was buried and he rose again. And, and, and it says when he, when he died on that Friday afternoon, when, that, when everything went dark, there was an earthquake. The veil of the temple that separated uh, the ordinary persons from the Holy of Holies uh, was torn from top to bottom, meaning that now we don't have to go through a priest to have access to God. We have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. And so we have an opportunity to uh, experience God. And so when we're talking about this kingdom priority... What their priority in the Old Testament, what God's saying, that their kingdom is to build that temple. We know that in the New Testament, our temple is not a building. And so what we're referencing to tonight is not a call to build bigger buildings. It's that the temple is us. Because God's presence as a believer lives inside of us. And so when we're talking about this kingdom priority, we can use the, the temple as an illustration for just, just people. Like God wants us to build into people. God wants us to uh, prioritize people. Why? Because He prioritizes people. Because He loves people, and He wants us to do that as well. So a priority. We know what a priority is. We have priorities. Things we do first. Things that rank first of utmost importance. And, and God says in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. In that context, he's talking about uh, people worrying about what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat. And he says, hey, I'm going to take care of you. Just seek first my kingdom. Have a kingdom priority. And that's what we find in Haggai chapter 1, uh, this, this kind of idea. We're going to unpack actually this, this whole chapter. So here, by way of introduction, let me just say this. But God has called us to prioritize his kingdom above our own. God has called us to prioritize His kingdom above our own. But too many times, I believe, excuses keep us from fulfilling God's plan for our life. We have a lot of excuses. I've got other things to do. I'm too young. Uh, I don't know enough. I didn't go to school. I, I, 
I don't know. I'm not really good at anything. A lot of times we use excuses to keep us from doing and being who God's called us to be. And that's what we find here in Haggai chapter 1. It was too difficult. So we can't, we can't do what God's called us to do because God doesn't make things difficult. That's, that's not true. That's not what Jesus said. So in order for us to have a kingdom priority, there's, there's three things from this passage that I want us to take note of today. There's not a PowerPoint or anything. There's three little statements. They all begin with C, so you can remember them easy. So first, in order for us to have a kingdom priority, I think we must understand the condition of the church, the condition that the people of God, we say church, that the people of God is in, the condition of the church. Now, a condition is an existing state defined. It's a current situation with respect to circumstances. We all have a condition, right? I'm in, I'm in peak physical condition, as you can tell, right? That's, that wasn't funny, Brian. Um, <laughs> or some of us might be a little past our prime, but, but we're in a condition, right? Does that make sense? We, we know that. A, a year ago, I had this uh, uh, 2001 um, Honda Accord that I drove. It was my grandma's car. I bought it for her for $1,000. I was just going to drive it till it died. Well, it died. A year ago, uh, not by the engine or anything, I was driving down a road in front of our church, and a deer jumps out of the woods and T-bones me right in the side of the car. Blood, guts everywhere, gruesome scene. Looked like something out of a war movie, but it was, it was intense. The deer's laying there in half, and I'm like, what in the world? The car's totaled. And um, so the car was in a condition, and then it got hit, and it was in a worse condition. But it still had, it still had a condition. It just was the value just dropped. We all have a condition that we are currently in. And so the condition of the people of God in Haggai 1 was not very good. They were, they were far from God. They were just doing their own thing. They, they were just uh, uh, doing what they wanted and not doing what God wanted, which is where we find a lot of people in our world. Most people are just doing their own thing, just living life, just trying to be the best you that you can be, whatever that is, just trying to build your own kingdom. And God says, as believers, man, that, that's not our life. As followers of Jesus, that's not us. God says, no, 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 I've got you. You're good. You're secure. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you all, everything you can even imagine. I'm going to bless you. But, but prioritize my kingdom. Prioritize people. Prioritize getting the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to the lost and dying world. And so verse 2, I want you to see this. Verse 2, when, when uh, Haggai comes to the people, he says this. this. This is what the Lord says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. This is, this is God's version of their excuse. This is God saying, this is what you're saying. It's not yet time because it would be easy. right? And that's, that's what uh, God says. He says, but in verse... Uh, in verse 4. So it's not a time to rebuild the house of the Lord. It's not a time to do what I've told you to do. But in verse 4, it is a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house, my house, lies in ruins. And so here's the context of these word times. So God's saying, hey, you're telling me I told you to rebuild my temple, but you're telling me it's not time for that. But it is time for you to build your own kingdom. 
to build your own houses? It says in verse 4 that they, it's time to, for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses. And that's, that's key there because it's not just dwell in your houses. These are tricked out houses. These are, these are the houses, legit houses. Like paneling in this day and age in Israel would have cost a lot of money. They would have had to gone to, if you've ever been to Israel, I was just there about four weeks ago. It's not, there's not a lot of woods, there's not a lot of forests, and so they would have to go over the hills to Jordan to get wood from there and bring it back home to panel their houses, to make their houses legit or whatever, some shiplap, whatever they wanted. And so this, uh, so God's saying, hey, you, you're spending a whole lot of time, a, a whole lot of energy, a, a whole lot of money to build your own house while my house is just sitting there doing nothing? God's saying, now I want to be with you. I want to put my presence in you, in your in your midst. But I can't until you do what I've told you to do. And and this is this is the condition of of the people. They're they're um, in essence, God is saying, you have all the time in the world to do what you want to do, but you have no time for what I've called you to do. Ever been there? <laughs> Ever felt that weight? Where God's saying, man, what are you what are you doing? Is it all about you, or is it all about me? That's what God's saying. That's basically the question he's asking. What are y'all doing? That's the condition that we find the, the church, the people of God in. And let me just say that the problem for them was not wealth. They had plenty of money. It wasn't time. They had plenty of time. It wasn't laziness. They, they, they worked hard. The problem was priority. The problem was what they cared most about. And they cared most about themselves. That's the problem. Again, in Matthew 6, Jesus would say, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Priority is always connected to the heart. It's what we care about. It's what we long for. It's what we cherish. And God has, man, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in Him to save you from, to forgive you of your sins and to save you from eternal separation, if you've, if you've, if you've been there and you've accepted that free gift of salvation, God has redeemed you, you and me and brought us out of captivity, given us freedom not to focus on ourselves, but to build into his kingdom, to share that message with other people, to care more about the things that God cares about than the things that uh, man cares about. And what God cares about most is people. He, he says he desires that none should perish but that all should come to repentance, that everybody would come to him. That's, that's God's desire. One of my favorite verses, and you're about to go through, I think, a, a sermon series in 1 Peter, and you're going to get there. But 1 Peter 2, verse 9, says this. Peter's writing to believers, and he says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That's incredible news as a follower of Jesus. That, that's who we are. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. But that verse goes on to say, so that you proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Because verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So what is he saying? This is who you are so that you tell people how good God is. That's what he's called us to, and that's what it means to have a kingdom priority. But that's not where we find the, the people of God in 
Haggai chapter 1. They're struggling in pride. They're struggling in selfishness. They're just doing their own thing. God has called us to use our time and energy and resources for the kingdom of God. And so we're going to read just a a little further. Not only only do we see the, the condition of the church, but I think it's imperative, it's important for us if, we're, if we are to be a church, a people that has a kingdom priority, we've got to look at the condition of the church, but then I, we have to see the consequences for the church. The consequences for the people of God. In this condition, we're not good. Let's, let's read about it in verse 5. It says, now, therefore, consider your ways. God's saying, hey, look at your life. How has this worked out for you? You've only cared about you. You've not done what I've asked, so how has this worked out for you? Consider your ways. And he says, you've sown much and you've harvested little. You, uh, you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. You ever feel like that with your money? <laughs> it's in a bag with holes. It just, where'd it go? I had this stuff, and then all these bills come up, and now I'm now I'm broke. I mean, that's, that's what I see here. And, and, and that's what happens when, when, we, when we prioritize ourselves. we will never have enough. We will always want more. We always want something next. That's what he's saying there. You, you work all this and you, you never have your fill. You're, warm, you're, you're, you're never, never warm and you never have enough. And that's the way God's economy works. It doesn't make sense. But, but when we spend uh, into the, the kingdom of God, when we invest into the kingdom of God, into others, into doing what God's called us to do, we will have abundance. That's the way God works. God will bless in, in, in more ways than, than just a financial blessing. God will give you peace beyond uh, uh, understanding. God will give you joy that, that, that you can't even fathom. That's what, that's what God does. And, and so here's what God says. Consider your ways. How has it worked out for you? If you skip down real quick to verse 9, he continues the same thread. He says, you looked for much, and behold, it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, that's what God says, because you've done this, because you've only prioritized yourself, therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew. The earth has withheld its produce. I have called for a drought on the land and on the hills and on the grain, on the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and on all their labors. What he's saying is, uh, I mean, these are the consequences. These are how it's worked out for you. These are your ways. And you will never have enough. Nothing will satisfy. And when we spend, when we invest on ourselves, that's what God's saying, it's a waste. It won't last. But true satisfaction comes when we give and when we invest in something that is bigger than ourselves. And that is the, the kingdom of God. That is investing in other people. And so here's the question for us. Where does your time go? Where where's your energy go towards? Where are your resources being poured? Is it, in, is it to make you better? Is it to build your kingdom? Or is it for God's kingdom? If it's for yours, you'll never have enough. 
you'll always be longing and wanting more. I just heard a uh, an interview. I read it in a book, so I didn't hear it, I guess, because uh, I read it. Um, but it was an interview a few years ago that the author wrote about um, a CBS interview with um, Brad Pitt. And uh, Brad Pitt, um, one of the most successful actors in our day, uh, has everything you could ever imagine. And this this interview uh, inter- interviewer asked Brad, he says, hey, Brad, tell me how good your life is or something like that. I can't remember exactly. And, and Brad Pitt says, man, I've, I've reached the top. I'm, I've got everything I could ever want, and I feel all alone. And he said, I, I feel like there's something missing in this interview. That's what he said to this reporter. And he says, what is that? And Brad Pitt said, man, I wish I knew. I wish I knew what could satisfy. And he said, he said this, nobody's going to want to hear this because they think I've made it. They think I'm, I'm, I've got it all together. But he said, there's something missing in my life. And that just broke my heart. Here's a guy who's achieved it all according to our world standards. I know what he's missing. He's missing Jesus. Because Jesus is the only thing in this world that can give us satisfaction, can fulfill us, can fill that empty void that's within us. Jesus is that. And without him, man, we're left wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting. But when you have Jesus, that's all you need. When you have Jesus, that's all you need. So these are the consequences where we uh, find the, the people of God. Right? When, my, when I have two little boys, four and two, my four-year-old is named Webb, and my uh, two-year-old is named Henry. And those guys are, I love them to death, and, uh, but they're, they're troublemakers, right? They're, they're, they just get into a lot of mischief, they get in a lot of trouble, and we have to discipline them a lot of times. But, but when, they, when they disobey mommy or daddy, we either, you know, we, we give them a little spanking if we need to, if they need that, we'll, we'll put them in timeout, whatever it is. But we don't just leave them in that consequence. We don't just leave them in that punishment. I don't leave them in timeout forever, because Child services will probably come to my house. Um, I don't leave him in that consequence. I give him, I give him a call. I say, Webb, are you going to listen to Daddy now? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we, we come out. We come out of that. And so what we find here is that's not, this is not the end of the story. Even though the situation looks bleak, even though there is a, a terrible condition and some consequences, the story doesn't end there because every time... Uh, uh, we, we, were, we have consequences. God, God is just like uh, a much better version of an earthly father. He doesn't want us to remain in that consequence. He, he gives us a call to obedience. He says, now, hey, I know you've done this, but he gives us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. Hey, come on, follow me. Come on, do it. Just, just build it in my kingdom. And so not only do we see in this passage the, the condition of the church and the consequences for the church, but we see the call to the church. We see the call to the people of God. Look what it says there in verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And in verse 8, now, he says, go up to the hills. Bring the wood. Those same hills that we talked about earlier, way over in Jordan, go to those hills and bring that wood that you used on your house and build the house, build my house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I might be glorified. This is the call to the church. Right? What do you do when you, 
when you've been prioritizing yourself over God's kingdom? What do, what do you do when you find yourself empty and famished and thirsty? You use the same energy, the same resources that you use to build your kingdom, and you build God's kingdom. And you pour that into God's kingdom. God's saying, hey, don't stop working. Don't stop making money. Don't, don't stop filling your calendar. Don't stop traveling. But, but do that now with a purpose. You spend money to invest in the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, travel to, to reach people for the kingdom of God, for, for God's glory. Instead of building your own little kingdom, take that same energy and that same time and those same resources that you've been using and, and poured into my kingdom. This is, what, this is what God's calling them to do. He's saying, seek first my kingdom. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be with you. Just, just prioritize my kingdom. Prioritize what I've called you to do. And then, I love this. What, what happens? What do the people do? Look at verse 12. It says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people, what it says, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. They obeyed God. And it says, And they obeyed the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord God had sent them. And don't miss this. And the people feared the Lord. Right? Their first act of obedience had nothing to do with their hands. It had everything to do with their heart. They feared God. They, their heart moved towards God. When earlier it was all about themselves, now their heart was bent towards God. They feared the Lord. They, they worshipped Him. They obeyed. Right? Priority is not an action issue. It's a heart issue. It's a worship issue. And so the question for us is, where is your heart bent? So as we, as we kind of wrap up, and I'm going to wrap up with the last couple of verses, I want to ask this question. How do we know, how do you and I know if we have a kingdom priority? How do we know, because I think you can know, how do we know if we're prioritizing the kingdom of God above our own kingdom? Three ways. You ready? Number one, God is glorified. If we are prioritizing the kingdom of God, He will be honored. He will be glorified. Look what it says again in verse 8. I just I read it. Go up to the hills, bring the wood, build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified. So why should the temple be built? Why should we care about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, to all people? So that God can be glorified, because God is glorified by saving sinners. God is glorified by bringing people into His family. That's how God is glorified. And so if we're doing that, God will be glorified. And so is this true of your life? Is what you do and how you live, is it glorifying to God? Are we bringing honor to God by how we live, by what we say, by what we give to, by where we go, by what we do? Is God glorified by how you live your life? But secondly, how do we know if we have a kingdom priority? God will be glorified, one. And two, God is present. God will be present with us. Look what it says in verse 13. It says, Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. This is after verse 12. It says they obeyed. They feared the Lord. And then, then it says in verse 13, He spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. 
when we obey the Lord, when we move our affections toward God, He's with us. He's present with us. And all throughout Scripture, man, I, I love the story, that, that, uh, the stories in Scripture, Old, New Testament. Every time God called somebody to take a step of faith, and then God revealed His faithfulness. God was always right there. If you just track with me, like Ruth, in, in the book of Ruth, like she had to put herself into Boaz's field, and then Boaz took her in. She had to take that step of faith, and then God was faithful. Uh, in, the, in the New Testament, Peter, like he had to, when he walked on water, he had to step out of the boat, take that step of faith. What was there? God was with him right there. So every time, God is, God is calling us to take a step of faith, to say, you know what, this doesn't make a lot of sense in our, in our world. It doesn't make sense to, to tithe to the church. It doesn't make sense to, to, to go on a mission trip. It doesn't make a lot of sense to the world, but this is what God has called me to do, and so I'm going to do it, and man, God will be glorified, and God will be with you. He promised to be with you forever, and God doesn't break his promises. So if God seems distant in your life, perhaps, perhaps our priorities have gotten misplaced. If God seems distant, it's not God. It's us. Maybe our priorities are out of whack. But number three, and last, and I'm done. How do we know if we have a kingdom priority? God is glorified. God is present. And then we are active. We are busy in the right things. We will be busy in the right things. Look what it says in verse 14. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, the spirit of all the remnant of the people. It says, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month and the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. It says they were busy in the right things, in following God, in doing what God had originally told them to do. Those who prioritize the kingdom of God busy themselves with the right things. Spending time with God, serving people, giving to the church, honoring Him with their time, their giftings, their resources. I believe the church across, in our, in our Western Hemisphere, across America, it is time for us to reorient our lives back to Christ, to, to bend our hearts, move our affections toward God. Because for too long, I think the, the reason the church in America is stagnant, is maybe plateaued, declining in a lot of areas, is because we care more about us than we do God. We care more about our kingdom than God's kingdom. And I believe if we're to make a difference in our communities, the, the church, the people of God, have to prioritize His kingdom above our own. Have to use our time and energy and resources to make much of Christ, not much of us. So we'll be active in the right things. Now as you think back through this story, some of you may be confused. Jonathan will clear that up later. But as you think back through this story, I just want you to hear this, that to picture this, that the people of God were in captivity. They were in slavery. God rescues them, brings them out back home, and he gives them a job to do. He gives them a, a work. Build my temple. Build, build into my kingdom. That's, that's a picture of the gospel. That's a picture of the good news of Jesus. That, that we, you and I, were rebels. We were 
held in captivity by our sin. And then God redeemed us. God rescued us through the blood of Jesus. And now we're, we're with him and he's given us a job to do. That is to make disciples who make disciples. That is to take the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. Jesus said in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's the gospel. This, this Haggai is, is, is the gospel. And so I just ask the question, where, where are you? What, what do you prioritize? What do you care most about? If we're not careful, I think we have to make this decision each and every day. But Jesus would say, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself daily and follow me. Because our pride and our, our sin gets in the way so much. So I have to make the decision every day that today, God, it's, it's about you and your kingdom. It's not about me. And so I just ask as we, as we wrap up, would you bow with me? Would you maybe close your eyes? Just maybe block out distractions just for a moment. And I just want to ask those, those little, last little statements in question form. Is God glorified by your life? Is God present in your life? Do you, do you sense God's presence? And are you, are you busy? Are you active in the right things, in what God desires of you? Man, if no to any of those questions, I would just beg you to ask for forgiveness and say, God, I, I want to prioritize your kingdom. I, I want to care about people like you care about people. There's, in just a moment, I'm just going to pray for us, and then Jonathan's going to come up and close our service. But I mean, if, if you need just to, to talk with somebody, to pray with somebody, they, we would love to do that. One of the pastors here would love to, to pray with you, just talk more about this. But maybe, maybe also you're in here, and this is all real confusing to you, and you don't know about this Christian thing, this following Jesus thing. I would just tell you, to come talk to somebody. The, the pastors here, the ministers here would love to, to dialogue with you about what it means to actually follow Jesus. What, it, what does it mean to give your life to Jesus? How do we do that? And we confess and believe. That's what scripture says. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Scripture says, you will be saved. Without Jesus, all of us are bound for separation from God in hell forever. But with Jesus, we can have life and life abundantly forever. And so if you, if you have a question about a relationship with Jesus, I beg you to come talk to Pastor Andy, Pastor Jonathan, one of the other ministers here. They'd love to chat with you. I'm praying for you, each one of you, that you would have a kingdom priority today and tomorrow and the next day so that we can hear in Memphis, Tennessee that God has an incredible outpost, incredible lighthouse that's making a difference in their community. But it won't happen with a selfish priority. It only happens with a priority based around the kingdom of God. So let me pray for us and then I'll turn it over. Father, thank you for our time together today. Thank you for being with us. 
Thank you for speaking to us. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray that uh, your word would continue to, to move among hearts, would continue to go with us. God, I pray that your presence would, would not leave us. God, you're, 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 you would give us wisdom to be who you've called us to be and to do what you've called us to do. And so, God, would you bless this church? Would you bless these people? And, God, I pray that you would make much of yourself through them in this community. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, we all just give Josh a big thanks and a round of applause for him just saying thanks.
like, you know, right belief and right, you know, if that's the end goal, um, and the end goal is also just to see like our society flourish more, there's certain degrees to cancellation, which could even be a little bit like counterintuitive to that, because I think about the fact that they're like, there's a whole underground of like the internet to where you go if you have an opinion that you feel like isn't of yeah, like popular. polite society, right? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. there's all these YouTube and podcast personalities that are basically like on the fringes of like the alt-right, so to speak, yeah. Yeah. that are the most popular podcast and YouTube people for a reason because people, I think people feel like I have this dirty secret that I mm. feel this type of way. Yeah. yeah, And they don't, and I think if no one's willing to have a conversation or engage, mm-hmm. I think you have to recognize that there's there's a whole subculture of people that feel yes. that basically feel like they're feel part outcast. of the cancel. They feel yeah. canceled, and yes. they've just been driven some extremism, frankly, yes. in a lot yeah. of cases, absolutely, because they just feel like their whole identity is canceled. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know what it looks like to rebuke and seek justice, and without like. I don't know what the right mechanism is. I just think that there needs to be a conversation. Like you need to be aware of that. You know, I don't know that our society is enlightened enough to have those kinds of conversations and have them be redemptive. Cause I think about, um, you know, in issues when, when Donald Trump first got elected, like my timeline was full of cancellations because like, if there were, if you even, said like oh you voted for him in any way shape or form it's like let me know who voted for donald trump raise your hand so i can unfriend you right (laughs) now um so we don't even have to have any communication um and i think like even with social media with like the algorithms they're spun in such a way that we end up talking to the same people who who think exactly like us yeah anyway so there 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 aren't these forums where we can have healthy conflict to talk about like i feel like this and i disagree with you because or then i respectfully disagree so we we don't really have those places and spaces where we can actually like talk about that so it does end up where there are these subversive movements where like oh i have to support donald trump in shame in you know or i have to agree with his policies in shame because you know no one wants to listen to me as to why um i think about you know Kanye West. The second that he went to the the White House, oh, we were we were done with him. Yeah. Um, but it, while I I disagree with what Kanye was saying, it's like, did we actually listen to him as to why he went to the White House? Um, and and I don't think people were were really open and ready to like hear a differing opinion, whether right or yeah. wrong. They just weren't open to it. And I I think that even just I don't know because I I think a lot of these people they're just not willing to change their opinion, mm-hmm. and so they like they. Uh, having the, giving them more and more of a platform is is wrong and not helpful and not healthy yeah, yeah. but it's almost like it, the internet's not the place where it's going to get hashed out absolutely and right. so like if like you know I, i'm just thinking about what you mentioned before with the james white thing i'm off twitter i mean i'm like on twitter but i'm not tweeting but the whole james white thing got me so tight that I went on and I just tweeted at james white <laughs> <laughs> so but, but there's people i know that ha- would have the same opinion as James White. And mm-hmm. I handle the conversation totally differently if I'm yeah. talking to someone in yeah, real yeah, life. Yeah. And so, um, I, like, I <laughs> I have a lot less smoke when I'm in person, right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, in some ways, that's a good thing because, like, 
I have to actually, it, it might take a three hour conversation to walk someone off the problematic ledge. Yeah. Mm. So how do you post your way out of that? Yeah. And I think that's the tension that I think, I don't even know how to resolve. Internet just might not be the place. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's very, it's very challenging. I mean, because I do think that with, with, um, see, when people do feel canceled and they hold these extreme views, they go to these dark places on the internet and they feed their passions. And sometimes it leads to horrible things. Like we've seen, we've seen recently so many attacks from white supremacists um, taking place. And we can't, we can't blame cancel culture for that. That's, you know, no, but at no, the no, same no. time, just, just being honest. No, no, no. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely not saying cancel culture has, is, is to blame for that. Um, I, and I'm not, I'm not entirely sure entertaining, like you said, entertaining them because at the end of the day, like, these individuals who hold views like that, extreme views that are hurtful to other people, they should not be given a platform to. I, I, some part of me is like, yeah, we shouldn't allow you to spread your views. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we we shouldn't, right? But the reality is, the the scary part is, a lot of people, people that we don't, more people than we think, actually hold these views. And, and they're so, sitting right next to us in the church. And it's sitting right next to us. Amen. And Hello. so and so it's almost like if we I think we think we're completing the mission by shutting down certain people, but we're actually not, right? And so then at that point it's like, well, at some point we do have to engage people because yeah. there are people who in your mind you would respect a whole lot more. You know, you respect them a whole lot more because you don't know they hold these views, but they actually do hold these views. So, yeah. So, I don't know. It's a complex thing. Yeah, and I think I just lament the, just the culture in general, man. Mm-hmm. Just like the fact that that everything is so toxic that, you know, it would lead people to, to, to such extremes. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I guess, man, this just got really dark really deeply. Yeah. But uh, I, I actually have to put money in my meter. <laughs> yeah. So can I go do that real quick? Yeah. Oh, and man. then... Uh,